0: Hello there, you are listening to the quarter to three games podcast for very near the Ides of October, it's actually October 17th, 2012, my name is Tom Chick, my game of the week is not dishonored, oh oh, oh, man. (laughs)
1: i uh i'm jason mcmaster and uh my game of the week is not XCOM annihilation
2: and i'm omrecker my game of the week was not going to be XCOM either but uh i guess i'll just say farming simulator
0: 2013 oh come on that's you got little sheep and there's probably cows and <laughs> you can drive a tractor ryan that's so Oh, the poor think of the animals ryan
1: <laughs> Think of
0: them. Uh, Ryan, thank you for hanging out with us today. You are, of course, also Ohm Wrecker. Um, mm-hmm. What on earth does that name come from? And I ask because we have very similar backgrounds here. You're kind of a journalist like us. What what do we mm-hmm. know you from?
2: Uh, well, most recently it was uh, Voodoo Extreme on IGN. Mm-hmm. I, was, uh, I, I joined up with them in uh, 2010 and... Uh, you know, did my thing as a editor, and eventually moved my way up as uh, time went on. Ended up as the editor in chief, and then had to eventually close it down. Unfortunately, so.
0: Do you miss having to write up news and whatnot every day?
2: Uh, <laughs> I you know what? At Voodoo Extreme, it was actually pretty cool because um, there was not much oversight from IGN. We were pretty much allowed to cover whatever we wanted to, whatever we felt was relevant. So. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of freedom there. so I don't miss that aspect necessarily, but um, doing the video stuff now it's it's actually pretty cool. It's a, definitely a, a shift and it allows me to focus more on you know showing the games that I want to show instead of just going through press releases constantly all day and and writing up news bits on them.
0: One of the uh, one of the great liberating bits for me. I did a similar gig for the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, also, very little oversight. They let me do whatever I wanted. But I did feel the pressure to you know try to be relevant and timely. And uh, mm-hmm. I so enjoy kind of worming out from underneath that pressure at quarter to three. Like like my yeah. my mandate there is if it's interesting to me, I'm I'm going to write about it. And I imagine you must be feeling a little bit of that same kind of freedom.
2: Yes, definitely, now, now
0: t- which is very nice. Yeah. Now, now, tell us about the video stuff that you mentioned, Ryan. Uh, I asked you before; these aren't quite let's plays. There, there may be reviews or previews. You mentioned. Tell us what the video stuff is that you're doing, and where we can find it.
2: Okay. Well, first off, you could find it at the YouTube channel Masked Gamer, and uh, it's something I created back in '06 before I realized I'd ever want to do this, you know, seriously, so um, going or if I could go back, I'd get something more related to my actual username, Um, but what I've been doing is kind of like a quick look slash previews. Mm -hmm. Um, At the moment, I've also been exploring, you know, doing reviews of games that are actually coming out or that are out, Um, but I'm still kind of finding my groove. I've been doing it for a little bit over uh, a month now with the Game Station as my partner, and uh yeah I mean it's it's been quite fun. Um you know and again I I've got complete freedom to create whatever types of videos I I see fit. Like one I did recently was a guide for FTL where you could unlock or it was essentially telling players how they could unlock all the ships in that game. So you know total freedom to create whatever I want on the channel.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh what was the last thing that you posted?
2: What's the last thing you um done? I did a uh, quick look at Mark of the Ninja, which just came out yesterday on Steam. Yeah. So it's you know kind of like a, a hybrid of a Let's Play and a preview, all wrapped into one.
0: And these are, uh, if I recall, the ones I've seen, it's all game footage, right? Are you, do you do any talking head stuff where you're there? Uh, yeah,
2: I, well, I do commentary by myself. I, I've thought about bringing in somebody else, but um, at the moment it's, it's primarily just me, aside from a collaboration I did with Total Biscuit recently on Worms Revolution. Mm-hmm. So, uh,
0: McMaster, uh, why haven't we been talking about Mark of the Ninja? Uh, I don't know.
1: There's only so much time.
0: <laughs> but I've heard great, I don't know about you, McMaster, I've heard great things about it. Like, I keep being told, oh, you got to see this, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I, I here's my approach, McMaster, I'm going to wait for you to play it.
1: You always do. <laughs> well, you don't always, but uh, there, there is a good good bit of the time that I, I go a little nuts and just buy buy games like that
0: uh ryan sell us on mark of the ninja in 25 words or less wow 25 uh, I, know, shit, I know i it know it's <laughs> tough <laughs> that's like a playboy review um, and also yeah tell us how many erect penises it would get <laughs> oh right i mean we need
1: well that's a hustler i mean i've play never play
0: used that for before for rabbits
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I would say oh man uh okay 25 words um it's a stealth action game, side,
0: mm-hmm. side-scrolling. Mm-hmm. So far not sold, intrigued but not sold yet. Keep going.
2: <laughs> Very fast-paced, okay? And it rewards stealth more so than dishonored.
0: I sold. <laughs> well done, Ryan. You're definitely playing to your audience here. Very well played. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, okay, good because I I want to and I will check out. Uh, you said that was the last thing you did specifically for the Steam version because I know it's been on Xbox Live for a while, uh, and you were mm-hmm. looking specifically at the PC version.
2: Yes, uh, they released it on on Xbox Live Arcade, and as far as I know, it didn't sell that well. Although it did receive really good reviews on that platform. So, I from what I understand, they're they're hoping to tap into the PC audience now. And they feel it's kind of like a more fitting audience to, to reach out to, uh, given the place, you know, the the whole stealth mechanic and everything.
0: Right. Well, I will so. say part of its stealth mechanic is uh, Microsoft's publishing strategy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, what, I heard nothing about it. I don't think they it, it seems like they're taking a, a sort of a CIA approach and disavowing it. It's uh, it's release.
1: Well, it's like all yeah. of their updates keeps pushing the game screen farther away from the start position of the xbox which is kind Uh of ludicrous since it's a game machine
0: yeah well no mcmaster it's also an app machine
1: it is now (laughs) i mean though not very well i mean but it is an app machine i guess i mean that's one place you can say that sony is uh is much better is uh running the apps and stuff Mm -hmm. mcmaster it's also a connect machine Oh my yeah. cats ate my Kinect, and I haven't really missed it, so <laughs> so, so whatever.
2: You say uh, your cat ate it?
1: Yeah, his cat totally uh, yeah. ate his
2: Kinect. Oh, that's, wow.
1: Explain, McMaster, <laughs> that's true. I have, uh, <laughs> I have several cats, and they all have uh, their own quirks that involve eating a certain type of cable, it appears. <laughs> and so one of my cats wow. really enjoyed the Kinect cable.
0: I think the cat was doing you a favor, and I think... Well, uh,
1: it was right before the Steel Battalion came out, the new Steel Battalion. So <laughs> okay. I think okay. in the end, yeah, probably. It's not good. Uh,
0: no. Uh, Ryan, can you tell us what will be posted next? Is there something that you're working on now that you can mention, or do you like to keep that under wraps?
2: Um, no, I, I could talk about it. I actually was um, planning on checking out Ravaged next, which is it's kind of like a... Um, well, it's a first-person shooter. It's got vehicles, and it reminds me a lot of Rage, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's 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 kind of like a hybrid of Rage and and a battlefield game, essentially.
0: We're going to check that. Uh, the thing that uh, got me about it, watching the trailer, it's got gyrocopters. Like it's yeah. a post-apocalyptic thing with lots of over-the-top violence and and driving kills and whatnot. But what really sold me is you, you can fly around in a gyrocopter, very Road Warrior. Yeah.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's pretty cool. Um, and actually, it's a it's another game that. Uh, spawned a bit from kickstarter so i know there's you know been a lot of criticism of you know are people going to get the games that they're paying for and and here's an example this is a game that's actually launched now
0: oh i didn't Um, know that they began as a kickstarter good for them that's awesome Mm -hmm. now have you actually tried it ryan or it's just something that you're planning on on spending time with
2: yeah no i i uh, fired it up um i think about a month ago i got access to the beta and then i wanted to wait till it was closer to release so i could you know reserve final judgment on the overall quality of the launch product, so um, I actually just started playing it again yesterday and then I was going to create a video uh, sometime today or tomorrow Good. Um, on the actual gameplay, so.
0: Good, I look forward to that, because that's mm-hmm. definitely one of those it's one of those two, I don't know who's publishing it but it, it wasn't anything that seemed like it had a name behind it, or you right. know, I just watched the trailer and my thought was who are these guys and where did this come from, because it looks kind of cool. Uh, yes. So yeah, I look forward to hearing uh, more about it. I
1: have um. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you recording console as well as PC?
2: Uh, you know what? I, I think I'm going to a tiny bit, not too much. I, I want to focus almost entirely on PC, but um, oh, Assassin's Creed 3 is coming up, and there's a decent chance I'm going to get uh, a re- or a pre-release copy of that, but unfortunately, since there's that like staggered release schedule that they have at Ubi, uh, oh, if yeah. I want to give it coverage, uh, I have to you know check it out on, on consoles first. So. <laughs>
0: And, Ryan, by staggered release, uh, I think you mean they put out console versions, mm-hmm. and then many months later, if they can be bothered, yeah. they'll get around to a half-assed PC version with right. restrictive DRM.
2: Right, um. at, at which point I'd have to revisit it. So <laughs> the schedule right now is uh, the console version is going to be the end of this month, and then sometime in November, I think it's like November 23rd or something, is supposed to be the PC release.
0: Oh, so, good. Well, how- at least it has a date.
1: Good. How yeah. are you doing video capture for your uh, console stuff?
2: Uh, Well, actually, I haven't quite worked that out yet. So um, that's something that I've I've been checking into this month. There's a new device. um, Oh, man, I I can't recall the name of it. Uh, But it looked like it was the right solution for me because it supported HDMI. Not many of the capture solutions do. Um,
1: Yeah, I used to do a lot of uh, video work for Crispy Gamer, capturing console stuff. Uh, I used a thing called the Intensity Pro. Yeah, um, from Black Magic Design, uh, it does take uh, HDMI, and it's oh just, really. Uh, yeah, it's like it's two hundred bucks, which man, that kind of sucks, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, it does capture uh, at really, uh, really high quality. I mean, you'll need to use oh, God, what is the name of that freeware encoding thing? Oh my God, DivX. No, uh, uh, you were trying. to. Uh, no, the, it's uh, I'll find it later. But it's like a freeware encoding thing that people use for a lot of stuff. Okay. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, then, you can do that, and it'll grab HDMI, and then it'll cut it into uh, it'll it'll you know, split it into files, so you don't have to worry about giant file size. And yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. You can do that, and uh, it has like a breakout cable that you can hook audio into as well, if okay. uh, if necessary for a separate audio output.
0: Ryan, alternatively, huh? just put a webcam in front of your TV. Yeah right. Uh, you know what? Like I'll, that. <laughs> I'll just I'll just email you some stuff later.
1: Oh,
2: well, and you know what? I, I found the name of the device actually. It's called Elgato Game Capture HD.
0: Hmm. Elgato. So that means cat. It's uh It's Spanish cat. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. It, supposedly it's it's a really nice uh, pass through type solution where it takes the HDMI in and then you could pass it out to your TV and also to a laptop. So that the laptop can save the the uh, the footage. So oh,
1: that's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah okay. I might I go with that. Right. Yeah, I may have to look at one of those too. So I wanted to do some more console work, but I don't feel mm-hmm. like messing with it
0: anymore. This, yeah. by the way, is about like three hundred percent more tech talk than we normally do on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> is, it. is that good or bad? Uh, <laughs> depends on how much you're into tech, tech talk. I was about to nod <laughs> off. Nothing personal. I know this is important to you guys. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, seriously, just set up a webcam in front of your TV, and you're good to go. And hit Whoa. record.
2: There you go. And, it, and it's just there are some consoles... The... Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, no, I was just going to say, it's just a pain in the butt to get con- like console footage, because PC footage is such a joke, yeah. like, easy to
2: get. Yeah, <laughs> with scraps and, and... Oh, yeah. Uh, what is it, DX Story? And... <laughs> yeah. But on the console side i mean there's still some exclusives that are worth checking out like last month there was mark of the ninja before pc and
0: right um, <laughs> yes. I, lo- I love that you feel like you're you're extending to console exclusives i mean what? <laughs> coming, there's all kinds of are you kidding oh there's so many awesome console exclusives i mean maybe if, like you're a hardcore pc gamer but uh yeah. Yeah, so I'm sorry, I did cut you off, though. Uh, oh, and I've been wanting to do this since last night. I wanted to accidentally interrupt someone and then <laughs> let them continue by saying, please proceed, Governor. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> anyway, I, I couldn't resist that. But go ahead. So you were saying there were some console exclusives well, that you are looking forward to covering.
2: I was just playing this game called, um, was it Tokyo
0: City Tokyo or Tokyo Jungle. Tokyo yeah, Jungle. Jungle. That was just, yeah, I just L. McMaster's Game of the Week from last week, I believe. Oh, really? Or no, yeah, I just sh- checked shapers. that out last night.
1: Yeah, no, I've been playing the the hell out of it. Sarah has too. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and Ryan, you can't play
0: that on your PC. No, you can't. Uh, and I can't capture it either right now. So I'm telling yes. you, webcam in front of your TV. Just yep. set up a stack of books in front of your TV in the living room. <laughs> put your laptop up there. Hit record. You're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what level is your Pomeranian, Ryan? Uh,
2: I I don't know if I can. If there's even a way for me to tell yet um i i know that i've breeded three times now but i haven't been that's, able to buy like any of the cosmetics or anything yet
1: yeah the the thing with it is like i guess each animal shows you how uh your longest generation uh oh, okay. if you go over them but yeah yeah it's that's how it counts basically that and mm-hmm. it does a number score too
0: well let's do some news of the week because uh there's some other releases that i think are are worthy of talking about that qualifies news. So why don't we start with you, Jason L Rearmaster McMaster, what is your choice for news of the week?
1: Well, I mean, you know, what wouldn't be my choice of the news of the week. It's been so much fun. But uh how about the uh, uh Sony uh, online entertainment selling out their uh, their possible uh user base uh, in Europe? Which is kind of bizarre. So they signed an exclusive deal with uh, with a company in Europe to uh, take care of all the money, et cetera. For so
0: what I'm looking forward to is hearing you pronounce the name of this company because I don't think I could do it. <laughs> well, you're going to have to wait a
1: minute. Um, <laughs> so. Um, so uh, yeah, they, they sold the rights, I guess, to one of their or to twelve of their titles, I believe, including EverQuest, to a a company in uh-huh. Europe. Yes, well. and that means <laughs> uh, that means that people might not be able to uh,
0: play uh, games with each other. Uh-huh. Uh, if the, the, the U.S. would be cut off from our European brethren. Hmm. Right. Right. So if you're playing, McMaster, if you, for instance, take a vacation in France and you and I want to hook up and level up our Vanguard characters together and I'm here in America and you're in France, we might be out of luck. Because the company in France who would be handling SOE games is called... Take it away, McMaster. Uh, I... <laughs> now, can you not find it or can you not pronounce it? Because I think it's like a, it's a, it's the, the name of the guy who runs the company and it's some kind of... I don't want to be indelicate here, but that's some kind of – it's like an Armenian name or something. Oh, that's uh, the thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, I'm having a hard time finding it, too. Uh, it's something like prosimibian net.
1: Right, I mean, and like. I, 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 that's the thing. is like I remember what it – you know, but I don't uh, – if I'm going to pronounce it, I want to actually look at it.
0: Because, uh, <laughs> then do what I did and just yeah. invent like, it out of your head.
1: <laughs> Throw some Vegemite <visual> <laughs> and Tiffin. Um, Very
0: You have a future in newscasting. Well done, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kuala Lumpur. Um, the. Uh, <laughs> But no, yeah, they've taken over, so they're going to have different servers now. Of course, they've said, you know, of course you could still sign up on the, you know, U.S. side and everything, but they're not going to get the benefits of having um, better money handling for their side of the. Uh,
2: is that going to affect PlanetSide 2 as well? Yes. Yeah, I think oh, that's wow. on there as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's the one. That's the big one that kind of shocked me because I, you know, I was like, okay, EverQuest, EverQuest, who cares? And then like Planet Side two is like, oh. Well, that I care. Up. Yeah, suddenly. It's <laughs> yeah. Hey, look at me. I'm Karen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's, it's pretty shocking. Uh, I mean, I understand it's probably just so that they can, you know, uh, in a way, try to serve their customers in Europe better, but it's not the way to do it.
0: That I would understand that if it were a less global company, like wanting to offload that sort of, task to uh, someone locally who knows infrastructure better but I, i'm surprised that sony feels the need to divest themselves of, of of europe uh why are they selling that off
1: especially the uk because the uk is really big in the planet side Plus, uh, they, yeah they even speak
0: uh, english there yeah all Right. Yeah. so i
1: mean we can even speak to them uh yeah no it, it, that's that's really kind of the surprising part of the whole ordeal to me
0: Right. Ryan, so you weren't sure what level your Pomeranian is, but do you at least know what level your highest level character in Vanguard is? In Vanguard? Um I'm I'm sensing some some reservation. Are are you trying to tell me you don't play Vanguard? I have level three, I yeah. think.
2: No, I don't. What? Tell me more about it.
0: Oh, Vanguard is a, a uh, I think it's unfairly dinged for being a, uh, a harder core MMO from, okay. is it Brad McQuaid? Uh, one of the original EverQuest guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, it yeah. might be McQuaid, yeah. Uh, and, and Sony, uh, I, yeah, Sony... Publishes it and it's been out for a while, and they recently did the mandatory. Hey, we're free to play. We're relaunching. Uh, uh, Vanguard was was widely maligned, but some of us actually kind of enjoyed certain things about. Well, it. Well, I
1: mean, the funny uh, thing about McQuaid is he like he's so predictable. He's one of those guys that just won't change. Uh, he will not change <laughs> his design uh, ideas a lot of the time.
2: Well, and I'll tell you what, with MMOs, honestly, I've done everything in my power to avoid them since Ultima Online. Wow,
0: that's a lot of work, Ryan, because you've you've had to avoid quite a few
2: in that case. Yeah, I mean, I did try EverQuest for a little bit. I tried uh, Dark Age of Camelot, and then Age of Conan. But aside from that, I even stayed away from World of Warcraft. I've never leveled up a character even to level two in World of Warcraft.
1: That's probably for the best, because you played Age of Conan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, Dark Age of Camelot, like, while there's a lot of fond memories of that game, if you played it at launch, the leveling yes. was so god-awful. <laughs> yeah, World of Warcraft's, like, crack, because you, like, level right. up in five
0: seconds. Ryan, on, behalf of, uh, on behalf of Rearmaster uh, McMaster and myself, I would like to extend to you two words and one numeral. The numeral <laughs> is two, and the words are wars and guild, and not necessarily in that order. Just consider it. I just want to put that in your ear. Uh, maybe we'll see uh, a, a Masked Gamer, Omrecker, Guild Wars 2 video one day. That's I'm possible. holding that hope. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, all right, so McMaster, your news of the week is that Sony is clumsy.
1: Yes, <laughs> which I know is a big surprise, right? Sony Online Entertainment doing something that isn't in their best interest.
0: Now, speaking of clumsy, uh, Ryan, what's your news of the week? Because I actually uh, I know what you're going to say, and I want to hear about this.
2: Well, it's actually about MechWarrior Online. They sent out a press release, and all the sites covered the fact that they were going into open beta. The big launch day was October sixteenth. And
0: yay, awesome! <laughs> yeah, wait, good.
2: Yeah, and what happened? It, well, and and to top it off, though, before I even get into what happened, PC Gamer also had their uh, cover dedicated to MechWarrior. They just launched that, or Mechware Online rather, Mm -hmm. and um, they were also advertising that fact as well to all their readers, and so it was a big day, everybody was excited, and then all of a sudden they said very quickly after making the announcement that, oh, you know what, it's it's now uh, delayed until further notice. So right now they don't have a date for it, Um, the PC Gamer content, like their exclusive skin and the little in-cockpit coconut monkey that they had created, that's now stalled off, and... Uh, it, it seems to be tied to the fact that they had made an update that uh, it, it switched out the CryEngine that they were using to a, a newer build, mm-hmm. and they also made patches to their netcode. And by doing that, they created some really game-breaking bugs that weren't apparent until the patch actually hit. Uh, you know, the people that are currently in the beta. So the participants in the beta kind of you know made some ruckus on the forums and and essentially told them you're gonna put this thing out there in like a way worse state than it's been in recent months. And we think it's going to, you know, leave a, a bad taste in people's mouths if they actually get exposed to this. So it inspired the delay
1: Yeah, you know, never but, stop square. It,
0: yeah, <laughs> but it's <laughs> uh, right. actually oh, ahead. Ahead. Well, have you actually been, have you been in the game? Have you experienced it yourself? Have you tried my uh, online?
2: Yeah, I've, I've played a ton of it. Um, I got in, I think it was early July, and at that time they had a really strict non-discl- or non-disclosure agreement, so it wasn't possible to really talk about it or make videos or anything like that. But um, yeah, I have played a ton of it. I actually was so into it at a point that I started making um, uh, guides and, and spreadsheets and stuff, you know, showing people all the, the numbers of the different mech builds and weapons and, and stuff like that. So I got pretty hardcore into it.
0: How do you feel about the delay? Do you think that that was the best choice? Uh,
2: yeah, you know what? After that patch, uh, definitely, because it, it the game went from being pretty rock-stable in multiplayer to uh, get, it was at a point when you could only play for a few minutes before latency would hit a point where you'd go to click to fire a weapon or you try to move your mech, and the delay could actually be five to six seconds before the mech would react. So... There, something really bad uh, happened to their netcode with that last patch. I think any new player that saw that would have been like, this game's a piece of crap. So, right. And prior to that, it was actually really stable. I mean, the only major bug that they had with their uh, netcode was related to collisions if two mechs ran into each other.
0: So, uh, and and it, I noticed you said uh, it's a delayed until further notice. Is there, is there an ETA for when the, the beta will be open?
2: No, they they haven't given it even to beta testers. They haven't said uh, you know, any sort of uh date that they're aiming for. I think it's going to rely on just them being able to fix up their netcode again with this new CryEngine build that they're running.
0: I imagine there are some very harried tech people currently working on that yeah. right now. Yeah, I bet. All right, so otherwise, no, yeah, Otherwise, I mean, it's it's a pretty good
2: game and uh, you know, I I know that there's not the single player aspect, but Multiplayer, to me, feels like rock solid. I mean, the way they've done it with the mechs and location damage and, and different builds. There's a lot of customization options and everything. So
0: so uh, when we play McMaster, I think as I mentioned before, we need you in just the really light, cheap mech. Don't, don't right. do anything with armor because we need you to run around fast and just go stand right. on a mountain and tell us what you see, okay?
1: I'm just going to do all heat sinks, all heat sinks. I'll be the coolest <laughs>
0: mech in the entire world. <laughs> Wait a minute. I like the sound of that. I want to do that. No nope. faster- Oh, rats. <laughs> I gave you the cool job. Uh, uh, all right. So uh, until further notice, no open MechWarrior Online beta. Uh, all right. My news of the week uh, is a patch that I have been waiting for for a while. Um Give you a little bit of backstory. Uh, I'm a huge fan of action RPGs, of course. Uh, Torchlight 2, I played the dickens out of that, really enjoyed it, uh, until something happened that made me stop enjoying it. And something very particular to what I look for in an action RPG, uh, something that might sound ridiculous to some people listening, but it killed my enjoyment of the game. Basically stopped it dead in the water. I, I still think it's a great game. I still heartily recommend it. But for me personally, I'm done with Torchlight 2 for a very simple reason. And that reason is that when you start up Torchlight 2, uh, you can choose a difficulty level. Pretty straightforward. If you don't want much of a challenge, you put it on easy. If you want a, a, a huge challenge, you put it on. I think it's elite is the upper level. Uh, and naturally, you would, you would figure uh, that when you put it on easy... It's going to be an easier game when you put it on Elite. It's going to be a much harder game, and therefore you're going to get uh, greater rewards, either more experience points or uh, better drops from the creatures that you kill, you know, better magic items, more gold, something like that. No such thing happens in Torchlight 2. The amount of experience you get, the treasure that drops, it's exactly the same regardless of what difficulty level you're playing. That's For some people, that's okay. They figure the difficulty level is just something you gauge yourself, you know, what level of challenge you want, uh, and that that the people playing on easy should get exactly the same rewards as the people playing on elite. I so staunchly disagree with that. Uh, Some people feel that it's punishing the people on easy to give the people on harder a a different um, reward, Uh, but I feel that it's actually punishing the people on elite to make the game harder without giving them any sort of commensurate incentive to make it harder you know it's a risk reward scenario i raise the risk i get greater rewards i lower the risk i get lesser rewards uh torchlight two and and travis baldry has been very outspoken about this and i appreciate that this is his design mandate he doesn't want that he wants it to be open to everyone everyone gets equal rewards it's a very sort of a democratic approach um whereas what i look for you might describe as elitist or a meritocracy or whatever Um, Hmm. but torchlight two Absolutely has no desire in, play in that way, and that's cool. Good for them. Uh, I still think it's a great game. It's just not one that I care to play now that I've seen all the content. Let's look. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Sorry.
2: I was, was going to say, I agree with you completely. I, I didn't realize that. I mean, I played through it on, I think, hard difficulty, but I thought I was going to get better drops the whole time.
0: You and me I both. No I, was, I played through most of it on, I think it's veteran, uh, it's like one notch up from normal, thinking, oh, I'm plugging through this, I'm really having a hard time with these bosses, but I've got to mm-hmm. be, you know, I'm getting better items. I'm sure of it. Because that's how Diablo did it, by the way. Right. You know, if you increase in Diablo, you could increase the number of players in the game, trick it by saying, hey, there's a bunch of players in this server, make it more Difficult, give me better drops. You know, from Diablo, we're kind of conditioned to expect that's how it goes. Um, mm-hmm. and, and from a lot of those kind of games that are based on, you know, periodically rewarding the player, you get greater rewards when the game is harder. Uh, yeah. So that's not the case. Uh, in Torchlight 2, I'm done with that. I still think it's a great game, don't want to play anymore. Now, Diablo 3, which is its sort of main competition at this point in terms of a top down action RPG uh, that lets you kill a bunch of stuff and get treasure, Diablo 3 takes a different approach. There is no difficulty level. There is simply your progress of your character's level from from level zero, and when you play through the content, it resets it, and you're playing on Nightmare and then Inferno and then Hell. You don't get to randomly decide how difficult it is. You have to plug through that easy, normal content first before the game starts getting more difficult. So Diablo has one fixed difficulty level that everybody plays at. However, as of a patch that just came out this week, uh, patch 1.05, there is now an option to, to adjust monster difficulty. It's very simple. Uh, you have to enable it in the option screen, much like the uh, you know, Diablo 3 currently. You, you can only put certain skills in certain slots unless you enable uh, an option in the option screen to just mm-hmm. shuffle it however you want, and that's kind of a power user thing. And those of us who really want to roll up our sleeves and make cool builds, we love that. Uh, You know, we love that flexibility to be able to enable that. Now, similarly, you can go in the options screen, you can enable monster difficulty, and then when you select a quest, you know, where you start a game, you can look at all the quests you've you've completed, or you can just start at the beginning, you can select what quest you're going to start at. When you select a quest, while you've got monster difficulty enabled, you can choose a monster level between 0 and 10. Zero is the default. Every number you increment it makes the monsters more difficult to kill. I think they do more damage. But furthermore, it increases the drop level, or the amount of experience you get. I think it increases the experience you get up until you're level 60, and then after then, it increases the the drop. Magic find? Yeah, or, magic yeah. find. Thank you, McMaster. Huh. So... What this has done is it has sort of created, uh, it is built into what used to be a uniform difficulty level, this great flexibility that Diablo II used to have. And I love that. I love being able to manage that risk-reward. I love being able to push up that monster level until I feel like, okay, this is too difficult for me, I have to drop down a notch or two, uh, with the sense that this is a great way to, to, to kind of farm the game for better treasure. Um, that's a lot of what I look for in an action RPG uh, mm-hmm. so i uh, I've been playing uh, a hardcore character where when you die you're dead permanently um, and <laughs> i've been I've, I've been a little scared to push that monster level up too far with my hardcore character, but that's the one I want to level, so it's kind of difficult (laughs) because I I don't, you know, it's okay if you're playing a character that can respawn to push that number too high Uh, but I've been real tentative playing with it at this point Uh, with my hardcore character. Uh, But uh, furthermore, the patch has added uh, new content for level 60s. You can assemble something called an infernal machine. I think you have to get the components for it. And then it lets you set up new boss battles that are more difficult. Um, So big new... Oh, also lots of balancing changes, which, uh, you know, Blizzard, by the way, if you read their developer diaries, those guys are, are... They're right up there with Valve in terms of how well they articulate their design decisions. You know, if you listen to a Valve uh, developer commentary on one of their games, a lot of insight into game design when they talk about, you know, Portal 2 and they've got one for Half-Life. And uh, I love listening to those guys talk about their design philosophy. Some of the developer diaries that Blizzard does for World of Warcraft, for Blizzard, for, uh, for, uh, for um, Diablo, for StarCraft, uh, I love listening to those guys articulate the decisions that they make. And there's some great stuff with uh, crowd control uh, spells that they've talked about for Diablo 3 uh, with this this risk-reward system. There's a, a di- developer diary entry called More Guts, More Glory, uh, which which sort of encapsulates the philosophy behind being able to do this. Uh, so Big Patch that has uh, breathed new life into Diablo 3 for me.
2: Hmm. Have they said anything about the arena mode?
0: You know what? I don't Lately? think so. I mean, I think that their their main priority was working out this 1.05 patch and that the arena mode is next on the list. Okay. Uh, but I haven't read a lot of specifics about what they're doing there. Is that something? Uh, R- Ryan, I challenge I-, I challenge you to beat up McMaster's character. <laughs> in- okay. With
2: my witch doctor.
0: Yes, your witch doctor. Uh, McMaster, we need you to get in there with your level one monk. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, yeah. I don't have a level one. I can have
0: level sixty. Now. Oh well, in that case, <laughs> level one wizard. Okay, I can probably do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's see. Other real quick news this week. Um, uh, Ryan, do you have an iPad? Are you one of those iPad converts? Can I can I relate to you on that level?
2: I honestly, the only tablet in uh, where I live is a uh, Kindle Fire. Well, I don't. Th- what games can you play on that? <laughs> Angry jeweled. I guess I don't know. I don't really use it that much. It's more for my girlfriend. So,
0: well, Ryan, wait a minute. I have a question. How are you going to play the new iOS version of Carmageddon? <laughs> <laughs> does... yeah. I, I uh, guess... there... yeah, Yes. Yes. Please uh, please I, I guess me. I won't
2: be. I've been getting emails <laughs> about it, but I have nothing to play it on. So.
0: Uh, I, I was kind of skeptical of this, and I thought, oh, that's silly. Who's going to want to play Carmageddon on an iPad? Uh, oh, but look, it's free on the first day, uh, which, by the way, if you're listening now, hurry up and get over there. I think there's a few more hours where, where it might be free. Um, holy cats, aren't Carmageddon on the iPad, it, it is exactly as good as I remember it. And, and really? on the iPad, it feels fantastic. Uh, and, and part of what's going on here... Carmageddon never looked good. Playing it, it looks like you're playing, you know, like the original Blood by Monolith or a Doom level or something. It looks terrible, and, you know, to see the sprites shift as their perspective shifts, I mean, it's just, oh, God, it looks awful. But what's amazing and what has endured in Carmageddon and what, by golly, I wish other games, specifically driving games, would appreciate, the physics Holy cats! Drive, you know, sliding the car around and mastering the the power brake versus the regular brake. And Carmageddon was made, by the way, for digital for keyboards. You know, there's none of this nonsense where you're like, oh, I wish I could hook up a gamepad. It feels awesome with the little touch controls to drive. Um, so Carmageddon has been such a joy to rediscover on the iPad, uh, and everything is intact. By the way, it's still got that instant replay feature. Which is a great way to admire the physics the cars being the they have deformable damage and you can break off pieces of them uh, you can tap you can actually just slide the screen to one side and it pauses everything and lets you, as far as I can tell, replay the entire race you know it 's got a slider where you can replay it quickly or you can slow motion or freeze frame or change the camera uh, you know what it 's every bit as good as uh, what Halo does you, you know uh, Bungie was so good at letting you appreciate and enjoy those those moments in Halo, and Carmageddon was doing that way before Halo, and that's all intact on the iPad version. Uh, so that's big news there. Free uh, Carmageddon on the iPad, and even if it's not free, well, golly, I think it's worth whatever they're charging. Um, yeah, that, that sounds
2: awesome. I mean, I, now I wish I had one.
0: Are, are you that's a driving wish... game fan, Ryan? Like, is that something you're into?
2: Uh, well, the modern's not quite as much uh, these days, but Carmageddon was a game that I was a total freak about when I was younger. I mean, I I think I was, what, like 13 when that came out. And And uh, I, I played it to death. I mean, I loved it. And that's, I mean, it sounds awesome. The way you described it.
0: One one that. of the things too that I noticed Ryan while playing it was, oh, I remember this level, or yeah. oh yeah, I remember that car. That's the one I want to <laughs> unlock because it has the whole thing. We have to hunt down the other cars to unlock them. Uh, but it was one of those games that was just bringing back memories. It's it's like yeah. visiting a familiar place, and, and it was just like tapping back into my. I don't remember how old I would have been, but uh, I just remember, you know, that game being so influential when it, when it first yeah. came out. And it's great to just kind of have that corner of my brain reawoken. Uh, 97. <laughs> oh, okay, I was older. Than I oh, you crazy. know, what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were rating the game. No, you were 97.
2: <laughs> I give it two biscuits, that's what I rate it. But... but- I did back the Kickstarter, so I was hoping to tap into that nostalgia a little bit with the new game that they're planning. So. I, you know,
0: I gotta wonder though. I'm so worried. Like, was this a lightning in a bottle thing, or can they recapture that? And yeah. and I guess the fact that they were able to so faithfully port the original Carmageddon gives me some confidence that they know what's good about it. Uh, mm-hmm. So this doesn't. I, I am looking forward to whatever they do next. Um, McMaster, in Carmageddon, uh, we need you to be the guy who uh, you need to wear a skimpy outfit and wave the flag in front of the cars when the race starts, and we're going to try to run you down for extra points, okay?
1: (laughs) All right, yeah, at least we're not playing auto-assault where it has to be the medic car. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, we need you to do that afterwards, too. (laughs) Oh, you son of a... You know what I would like to see come to the iPad? You remember... I know you will. I can't remember the name of it, but that uh, Demolition Derby game, I think you really liked it a lot, too. Oh,
0: yeah, I remember that. uh, Eve of Destruction. Eve of Destruction.
1: Destruction. Destruction, yeah.
0: Uh, master you're breaking my heart yeah yeah that was an xbox one game way awesome. before time amazing physics and, and what was great too about that was the different modes that they had and yeah. and uh i remember uh just to to wax nostalgic briefly you could play four player split screen and there was a mode i wish i could remember the name of it where one player is a school bus and the up players are just regular cars trying to get away from the school bus, and the school <laughs> bus has a certain amount of time to try to track down the other cars and ram them and their bales of hay. And there was just this great sense when you're one of the other cars that there's this killer school bus out there. It's almost like being thrown into a, 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 a pool with a shark in it, and just yeah. this huge school bus running around, ramming into the other cars. Uh, yeah, that was a great game with Master.: Brian, yeah, do you know construction? Yeah, I do. I,
2: I don't have a, as many memories about it, but, uh, yeah, I, I remember playing that one on the original Xbox. Was it on PC, too, or no? I don't know. I don't think
0: so, because if it was, I could still be playing.
2: Because uh... I remember Demolition Derby, <clears throat> most of all, that was a game that I spent a lot of time playing Yep. back yep. in the day. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Good well, until then, uh, I heartily recommend Carmageddon. Uh, and finally, one other little bit of news uh, this week. Uh, there's a great uh, developer of city builders called Tilted Mill. Uh, they did a game called – a lot of them were former Impressions employees that did the the, the Zeus and the uh, Pharaoh and the uh, – what is the Greek version? Uh, or the Roman version. Well, anyway, there was a Zeus. There was a Pharaoh. Uh, I oh, forget. Yeah. Well, uh, that's- but at any rate, they, they, uh, these impressions guys did city builders. Many of them formed Tilted Mill after Impressions closed. They had a really cool, bold approach to city de- uh, builders called uh, Children of the Nile that did some things very differently. Uh, I really appreciated that. They did a city builder I love, but, again, it did things very differently, and some people did not like SimCity Societies. Uh, that was theirs as well. Uh, since then, they had done some smaller games that were out on Steam, one of which, oh, I forget, You, it's like an orc village thing or something. And they even did a Civil War foraging game, where like, you are, you're a small cavalry unit. Uh, it's called Moresby's... Not Moresby's Charge. But at any rate, they've done some cool smaller games. They just announced their next project. Uh, It's a return to form for them. They're uh, going back to the kinds of things they did as impressions. It looks more traditional. Uh, And their next game is called Medieval Mare. Uh, and it has a sort of a whimsical, cartoony look. Uh, not a lot of information available yet. It is a city builder. Uh, Chris Beatrice, who I think is one, of their, is one of their founders, he sent out a press release about it. And I looked over the press release and noticed a conspicuous absence of references to it being a free-to-play game. Because city builders these days tend to be little free-to-play things, and they nickel and dime you with uh, microtransactions. So I emailed Chris, and I was like, well, I, you don't talk about the business model are you guys doing a free-to-play thing with this? Uh, and I don't think Chris would mind me telling you that his response to me involved uh, a string of profanity followed by the word no. <laughs> so so very definitely a retail project. He says that they are resisting that sort of trend at this point, not free-to-play, no microtransactions. They're just making another standalone city builder uh, called Medieval Mayor. So look for that. Uh, I think it's not until next year, of course. All right. So there's our news of the week. Gentlemen, let's get down to brass tacks. I am ready to talk some games of the week. Now, McMaster, uh, thanks, by the way, for covering for me last week. You and John Schaefer did a a fine job with the podcast. Uh, But I realized not a lot was happening last week, right? Not many games coming out, not a lot to talk about. You had to talk about that weird Tokyo jungle thing on the PS3, right? (laughs) Well, yeah.
1: I mean, we also talked about Dishonored and uh, some stuff like that too. But yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, I haven't played a lot of Dishonored yet, McMaster. I know you've been giving me a little guff about uh, my skepticism about that. I, my skepticism comes from just not having played it a lot. I'm looking forward okay. to digging into Dishonored. Thank God.
1: And let just say Harvey Smith's going to get a complex.
0: Well, now what, I, what I've seen, Ed <laughs> McMaster, tell me if I'm wrong about this. So I from playing at the early stages I was like okay this is a stealth game and you've got to manage the the patrol patterns and you've got to blink around the dudes and uh one of the things that I've been told when I've said that is no 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 you get super powerful pretty quick and you just end up rampaging around beating the crap out of dudes
1: I I slightly disagree with that okay um the reason I say that is that, like, yes, you can eventually go on these rampages, but there are so many guys, if you do that, in the levels that follow, that it starts curbing your rampage a touch.
0: So they clearly are encouraging you. They're pushing you to use some of the stealth, some of the different tricks. The, like, yes, it really- absolutely. Okay. Although- yes, go ahead.
2: I-, I did play through completely uh, just killing everybody. After after like the first one or two missions, I I went that route and uh, I didn't have much of a problem doing so. I I'd say I probably killed like ninety percent of the guys in the game, right? That was the game did stop me.
0: The game did or didn't stop you?
2: Oh no, it didn't. It, I mean, there's there's no, no, abilities that you can use to enhance your ability to kill right. and not leave sure. bodies and stuff. So
0: all and it's, right. Is that Ryan? Like part of the choices you make on your character upgrade? Is it sort of like you're yes. leaning one way or the other, and you just decided to go for the rampaging killer angle?
2: Yeah, um, there's, there's, uh, you know, you could spend your points in different ways, and if you want to go more of the stealthy route, there's, there's powers that can enhance your ability to stay stealthy or to get away from from enemies. But there's also powers that are just meant to kill them, um, sure. or at least help you kill them and not get noticed right away by you know, a whole, like, swarm of them at the same time, right? Uh, I mean,
1: and don't get me wrong, I guess it's just, like, on some of the longer missions, when I was doing my initial kill, like, go through, it just, uh, some of the areas just took me a really freaking long time. Uh, I don't know what it was. It was, like...
0: One of the things that I wonder, and this touches briefly on what we talked about with difficulty levels in Torchlight, uh, is if that's an issue of what difficulty you're playing at. Um, You know, One of the dangers with a developer setting a difficulty level, one of the pitfalls, is if you make it too easy, uh, players are just going to charge through the content. If you make it too difficult, it's going to be frustrating. Different players have different sweet spots between that too easy and too frustrating bit. So I sort of wonder with Dishonored is it tough finding that, that sweet spot where you have to take advantage of all your powers to play versus, oh, look, I'm on normal, I'm pretty good at shooters, I'm just killing everybody quickly. Uh, like I wonder how much that's an issue there. Like How much is it up to me to find the sweet spot with the difficulty level to where I can really take advantage of all these powers and and, uh, and see them in action.
1: Well, I will say, you, you don't, like, I don't know, I I just, maybe I was just, like, crappy at it, but I was not very good at fighting multiple people in the game. Right. Like, I could kill, like, one or two guys, but once it gets over that, it starts getting a little iffy mm-hmm. um, at the same time. Um but like, if you if you do it just right, I mean, one of the powers that uh, Ryan's talking about is one that turns enemies into ashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, I, I used that absolutely in my first playthrough. I didn't use the time freezing power, which is probably the one that mm-hmm. everybody thinks is the most powerful, and I agree. It's uh, but it's like super expensive. Yeah. Um, at least to get it to like the actual freezing time level. Um, so. <clears throat> You know, on my, my first playthrough, I took the... Uh, I, I tried to go for, um, you know, like, movement. I wanted, like, uh, the, the highest range of explorability. Mm-hmm. Because in that game, it's not so much nooks and crannies. It goes up a lot. You know, mm-hmm. it's like everything is, like, multiple levels. Um, and, yeah, you know, I think if you were just, like, go through the game... Killing everything and like not doing side stuff, you could probably beat it pretty quick. And I, I don't, I don't know at a difficulty level, but right. it, uh, it just like uh, the straight up combat was uh, definitely struck me as, as. I I would prefer to run. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is I mean, something Master that I've, actually I've
0: always <laughs> I've always said that about you, Master. Well, <laughs> no,
1: oh my first playthrough, I didn't run. Uh, I killed so many people in so many horrible ways the first playthrough of that game. <laughs> oh, God. But, uh, yeah, on the second playthrough, I'm actually having a lot more fun just trying to not kill anyone. I mean, people see me, but you can run. That is one thing about that game. You can get away mm-hmm. from people. Well, I
0: certainly appreciate that. Uh, clearly, it seems like a kind of like Deus Ex, a game that they've designed to let you. Uh, have different approaches to the different situations, where it's kind of up to you as a player, Right? you know, how yeah. do you want to tackle this?
1: Uh, yeah, you could find all sorts of crazy stuff in that game, too, and it's that's one thing yeah. I really appreciate, is the fact that it's not, the paths aren't really
0: highlighted. Right. So, yeah. that, so that's the only reason it's not, I, I bring that up, because it's not my game of the week, not because I don't like it, I just haven't been playing it uh lately. So but I do look forward to discovering that. Uh however, I'll, I'll actually go first. Uh my game of the week, what I actually did pick for my game of the week is uh a little something that came out last week, McMaster, that you and John Schaefer talked about uh Pretty called uh XCOM uh not not UFO Defense, XCOM Enemy Unknown. Don't right. know if you're familiar with it, McMaster. Have you heard of this game?
1: Uh, yeah I played uh, I played it a little bit <laughs> uh,
0: so I am hugely fond of it. Uh, I, I think all of us are at a certain level. I also have reservations about it which I think also all three of us uh, do as well. Uh, so what I'd like to do to talk about uh, XCOM um, is I a long time ago wrote an article for IGN and I mentioned four things that I thought made the original XCOM A great game. And I want to bring up each of those four things and sort of get a sense from y'all how you feel the remake did uh, on it. So the first thing I want to bring up and what I always loved about the original XCOM was this sense that you've got your own squad and and you you can give them uh, unique names and you you make them more powerful and you equip them. And it just created this great sense of persistence across missions um, to your squad, you know, the sense of investment. These are my guys, very much like any party-based RPG. Um, The original XCOM was just one of the pioneers in that in terms of, hey, get attached to these guys. And then when they die, it's going to suck. And it's going to great and when they get these lucky shots, it's going to rock, and there's going to be this great series of highs and lows as you get mm-hmm. attached to these guys and follow them along on their adventures. Um, how do you guys feel that the remake handles that sense of attachment? Uh, what what sort of uh what what sort of impressions do you have for, for leveling up your squad, how invested you are in them? Did they feel disposable? Did you care about them?
2: Um I, um, I cared about Mine quite a bit, um, mainly because they were leveled up, not so much because of, of how I named them or how I made uh, their armor look you know color wise or anything, mm-hmm. but it was more just like that I had or they they had abilities that I needed on my missions in order to be more effective. Yes. And if I lost them, then I had to start from scratch sometimes to try to build up a replacement to get those skills back.
0: It's definitely the a lot of it is in those skill trees, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of what you can do on the map is determined by who you bring and how much you've leveled that person. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so in a way, you definitely feel, you know, when you're missing that, you know, one of those sniper abilities, for instance. Oh, uh, right. When that's suddenly gone, it's like ouch. Uh, so yeah, I've my, heard
1: a lot of people complain about the sniper uh, in the game for some reason, but I think sniper is incredibly powerful once you level them up for next time.
0: Well We you know, I think, oh yeah there. This is, in a way, it almost, um, I don't know about subverts, but but the sense of attachment, in a way, comes, it just feels so focused on the particulars of those skill trees. You know, you've got four skill trees, uh, and at most of the intervals, when characters level up, you pick one of two skills. Um, So, in a way, I, I... You know, I I was getting invested in my character, but it was more a matter of which skill that character got. And if I had two characters with that skill, I I kind of cared less about each one of them because they kind of felt the same. You know, it wasn't so much this character is awesome because she's got 15 kills, it was this character is awesome because she's got that sniper ability that lets her hit something from anywhere on the map. Um, It was a very mechanical investment in who the characters are rather than a narrative investment. And
1: Uh, that's—I'm still fond of uh, of the way it works out. Yeah, I mean, I get behind my guys. One of them makes a rad shot, or does not die some mystical way after being shot like
0: forty times. Well, you're right. That's definitely there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely feel that as well. But it, it feels like the original XCOM relied more on that than the right. mechanical investment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, I,
1: I'll, I'll agree with you there. I mean, it, and there's certainly things missing from it. Uh, but I, I think they did pretty good on the overall investment. But uh, in, in general, yeah. I
0: mean, sure. I mean, the original XCOM did play a lot more with
1: personality than it
0: did with actual mechanics. But Let me ask you guys this. Let me put it this way. Uh, from your playthroughs, is there – can you tell me about – a favorite character or a hero for your game like do you have a sense for yes this character did this and is this and here's why i care about him or her like can you tell me And i'll just i'll start off because i do have a sense for that in my original playthrough which was unfortunately killed by a bug uh you know i i had a a character who uh she was the shotgun class is that that's, not
1: assault. Uh, that's yeah, assault. It, is, it is assault, yeah.
0: What's the yeah. assault rifle, then? One.
1: Uh, assault rifle can be yeah. assault as well, but support yeah. uses assault rifles as
0: well. I guess I'm confused. Yeah. So it's, it's support, oh, heavy, heavy. It's support, heavy, sniper, uh, right. assault, right. Okay, so right. so she got um, the assault, and her whole deal was being able to run up to dudes and shotgun them in the face. Like, it was a very close <laughs> combat uh, ability. Uh, and and mm-hmm. so... As I was leveling her up, it was all about survivability, you know, make sure that because she's close, she's got more armor, she was the first person to get the carapace armor, you know, all survivability stuff went to her first. Um, Mm -hmm. She racked up a great number of kills, um, and, uh, you know, I just loved this sense that unlike the other characters, she was fast, she was deadly. Uh, right. and, and I got very attached to her, and unfortunately, my game died before I could see you know she never died since so she was there up until my game got killed by a bug. Um, but I got this great sense, partly from mechanics and partly from that narrative stuff, because there were so many times where she saved the day by being able to run up and shotgun something in the face that was otherwise going to you know wipe out or kill people in my squad. so I got a very clear sense for her and because of the way I play, I just take the normal name as it comes and once right. somebody levels up enough for me to care about them, then I give them a name I, I care about, <laughs> then I, I, I give them a name where I want to remember them and I and she became because I had just seen, and this is so ridiculous but this is a little indicative of how my mind works I just seen a, a movie called Pitch Perfect that I really, really liked so this character, I named her Anna Kendrick, <laughs> and her nickname was that actress's name in Pitch Perfect Becca, so Becca was my badass shotgun team member who uh leveled up so what movie is that oh pitch perfect is basically uh bring it on but with acapella singers instead of cheerleaders and i swear Impressive. to god mcmaster i know you're not gonna <sighs> believe me it is awesome i i recommend wholeheartedly even if you don't watch glee because i don't i don't care about that oh, I- pitch perfect is is a is great i mcmaster and ryan both of you after we're done recording Go see Pitch Perfect; you won't regret it. Mm. <laughs> okay. uh, so anyway, so that's a character that that's classic XCOM. Is I cared about this one character; I remembered her. Do you guys have anyone like that that you remember from your playthroughs? Ryan, did you did you get attached to anyone?
2: Uh, I would say my sniper; he he never died. I had him in Archangel armor at the end and. Uh, He could take out anybody. Like it it was at a point when I was, you know, typically getting 100% hit chances Mm -hmm. at guys across the map, even the heavy mutons, and I could one shot them in the head, uh, you know, take them out just right away. But um, aside from that, I mean, I I had three assaults that were fully leveled up by the end, and honestly, I I didn't care about them too much because they were all the same. They all had that run and gun trait, and then I had the ability that would let me do a double shot. And, you know, I just run up to somebody without even a shotgun, just an assault rifle, and I'd usually have between, like, a 97% to 100% chance, and I just get kills like crazy that way. So uh, I, I would definitely have to say my sniper. Just so, Ryan? He was the only one that was unique.
0: And uh, this is, i got to ask, what was your sniper's name? Home wrecker. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ryan, you should know, I think we learned in, was it World War II? You don't give your battleships names that would demoralize the team overly much if that person gets killed. So right. you might want to be careful about that. But wait yeah. a minute, Ryan. So uh, did you ever reload a saved game if Omreker died? I did. Aha! Yeah. Ryan, that's known as that's known as cheating. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, and, and another quick question, Ryan, and I just ask because... The game that I lost to a bug, I didn't mind losing because it was on normal, and I was finding mm-hmm. it a little bit too easy. I could sort of tell that if I'd gotten to the end, everyone would have been super powerful. Uh, I've mm-hmm. since been playing on classic and enjoying how much the game pushes against me. It's uh, hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Were you playing through on normal, or did you not? Uh, h- how was the difficulty level for you, Ryan?
2: Oh, I went through on on classic, and honestly, he only died I think two times total uh, well, through that's... my whole playthrough. So I, I mean, I only oh, sorry, twice you're saying. Right, right. <laughs> um, he was really the only one I cared about, um, but the the others, I mean, I, I lost a number of players or a, a number of my characters uh, to the aliens, but for, for the most part, I think I, I was extremely cautious as I, as I was, or, uh, sorry, I can't talk, as I would move forward through the maps and make sure not to reveal too many enemies at once. I noticed early game that sometimes if you got too aggressive, you might bring on like six plus aliens yeah. on you at the same time. But if I took my time, I'd only expose a few at a time. My sniper could pick off, you know, at least one or two by the time they'd catch up to me, and that's kind of the way I played. So I'd say I was overall really careful, and by the end of the game, I might have only lost like seven or eight people total, mm-hmm. if that. And I, I did find it to be quite difficult, but um, I, I don't know. I, I to this day, I, I kind of. Have reservations about how they did the whole cover system, and and it's really more of a game now about moving from cover to cover, versus yeah. having open
0: areas and you know stuff like that. So now, now hold that thought because I definitely want to get into that, but but yeah. first McMaster, who were you most invested in? There was this uh, guy I don't actually
1: remember his name because I didn't change it, <laughs> but he got the he got the nickname Gunner, and <laughs> he was a heavy. <laughs> oh no, he's actually still alive in my one game, uh, and he uh, yeah he's been shot something like he's been. Mortally or severely wounded, something like six
0: times at this point. Oh, no. You'd think that those guy. guys would, would get Purple Hearts or something. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah I mean, he's like, he's easily my highest <laughs> level guy, but he, he carries around, i uh, been using like a plasma rifle, I think, with him lately. Hmm. And, uh, though I did just get the laser shotgun.
0: I, I will say one thing I miss is I love the the bullet sound effects of the regular guns and I always feel a little disappointed when they go to like lasers and plasmas. I mean I I prefer that yeah. hearty thunk thunk thunk, you know, and that yeah, right. uh so I, I, I you know, a little kinetic energy goes a long way for me. Uh mm-hmm. All right, well let me then bring up something else. Uh uh the One of the things I loved about the original XCOM was this sense that as you're playing uh, the strategic level, so informs the tactical level. You know, as you're playing the strategic level, you research new things, new weapons, you fold in new bits of gameplay. There's this great sense of the gameplay progressing along with the campaign. Um, I think we would all agree there's a lot of that in the XCOM remake. That strategic level definitely informs how the tactical level plays. But, Ryan, Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, you had some reservations. You say the cover system, like you felt it was too much emphasis on cover. Uh, Right. What what were you going to say about that?
2: Well, I mean, one thing I see a lot of times when people are are arguing about, you know, like cover versus no cover, XCOM wasn't just one game. I mean, there was Terror from the Deep. There was Apocalypse. And one thing that I always appreciate about it was that you always, or you didn't always have reliable cover to, you know, try to use to, to, to protect your guys. I mean, there were times you'd have to go through a field and, and if, if an alien popped up, you'd best you could do is, you know, kneel down and, and, and try to avoid shots that way. But otherwise you were, you know, kind of like a sitting duck where there might've been aliens that did have some sort of cover, you know, standing on the side of a house or something, or even inside a doorway and, uh, the new XCOM, the whole game, it's like you're always just usually one pip of movement away from the next cover point. And I felt like it forced me into this movement style where I was constantly just bouncing from cover to cover. I never really had those scary moments when I had to go through a field and you know I might not have any cover to rely on. It just felt like it was um, you know very fixed in, in the way that the developers wanted me to be able to move.
0: My, my friend, Bruce Garrick, who's also uh, talked a bit about uh, XCOM, he, on a podcast, <laughs> referred to it, to the lead designer, by the way, as X-Cover, <laughs> which I was like, ouch, that's kind of ballsy. But but he has a point, and you, you right. bring that up as well, Ryan, is it does feel conspicuously about moving from cover point to cover point. Uh, right. and, and one of the things uh, where I don't necessarily mind that is cover isn't necessarily – this inviolable, you know, once you're here, you're fine. It's not like a Gears of War cover thing. God, no. It cover is simply, it's either a 40% if it's heavy cover or a 20% defensive bonus. And even though visually it clearly looks like, you know, my guy's always hiding here or there, it's it's If you look at the map, it's a series of this is a 20% safety node, this is a 40% safety node, and that's kind of it. And those can be blown away. I mean, there is destructibility there. So while I agree with you, Ryan, that it's, it's definitely conspicuous visually, it lends the game a certain feel, uh, I like how they have um, still made it where you have this sense of, oh, God, I'm hanging out here with my ass in the air because I've only got mm-hmm. light cover. It just got right. blown away. Um So I I, I agree with your criticism. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: I'm sorry. Yeah, no. I think one of the big things that kind of takes, I mean, the cover thing, of course, is kind of irritating. And I agree with Tom absolutely that it's it's really just kind of a visual thing with the engine. Because yeah, I've I've shot through like four walls and killed a guy before. You know, I mean, it just right. it just you know whatever. But I think the biggest thing that that builds that tension for me and just kind of like a little bit of the strategy is you like a lot of the maps you don't know where the aliens are going to come from. Mm-hmm. So when you're moving up, it's very easy to get ambushed if you don't do it just right. And the partial cover doesn't really seem to make that big of a difference. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of only partial cover in the game, including, like, you know, a lot of stuff that explodes, like cars, <laughs> etc. cetera, which kind
0: of sucks ass. Well, I love I Everybody will always have that first time where they realize, oh, oh a car can blow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, McMaster, I I do want to take issue here, because here's something that does kind of bug me, and I know Ryan has talked about it, uh, about the remake. You say you don't know where the aliens are, but I kind of disagree with that, because the maps are really constricted, and I understand why they're that way. You know, they're small, it seems like you're always being funneled a certain way, you know, your Sky Ranger kind of lands you and points you in the direction, it's always at a corner map. Furthermore, I always find that I can kind of hang out for a little bit and wait for that, wait to hear the aliens. I love the Way they do that, by the way.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Right. But I kind of always tell where they are, and and I, one of the things I loved about the original XCOM is that uncertainty is creeping right. through this huge map, and you don't know where the edge is, you don't know where this is. I mean, it, it just felt like it felt really organic, whereas this yeah. feels really carefully constructed. I always know the aliens are in this direction. If I wait, they'll make a little noise. I I can always spread my my squad out to make sure my flanks are covered. Uh, so I am missing a little bit of that wide-open unpredictability.
1: Well, uh, I do think there are a few maps that do give you a lot more wide-open than the yep, others. And, yes, yeah. And, you know, because, like, for instance, I was on a train map the other night. Oh, and God. That's a murder murder corridor <laughs> there if you don't do it right.
0: And, uh, I, I think oh, someone quick, I think someone on the forum called that a hot dog-shaped map. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, it's pretty harsh. Yeah, it really is. It's like one train and a couple of tracks and a platform. There's, like, no cover. And, and everything's destructible. But, like, uh, no, I mean, I know what you mean by, the, like, the map size. Yeah, it's a, it's a little disappointing. But, I mean, the thing that hits that's hit me the most, at least, in, and has killed me before, is that sometimes aliens will be clustered around in different types of alien. Some of them can move very fast. Yeah. Some of them can get the drop on you pretty quickly. And, uh,
0: yeah, I mean, so I guess that those floaters, you know, when they fly, they're little, basically teleportation, but oh, yeah. man, I grew to hate that. That's deadly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, it's super deadly. And and it's like, uh, you know, another thing, the the Thin Men. Yeah, they're, they're whatever. They're, they're not hard to kill, but their poison is such a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. And just, uh, oh,
0: God. Well, that, that McMaster, and, and Ryan, I do want to hear uh, from you on this, because I know this is one of your reservations, but McMaster, when you put it that way, I don't mind the maps orchestrating the experience so much when the different play pieces have, and that's the, the enemy advantages. aliens, they have advantages and they have specific powers. So even though I feel like I can always fan my squad out to cover my flanks, a floater can can counter, can trump that, basically. And, and,
1: and right, yeah. And like, sometimes you'll hear an alien, and it'll not be just one group of one specific type of aliens. I mean, it kind of depends on the map. And some of those, yeah, you can hit something that, you know, maybe... Maybe can jump behind you and kill you or take somebody out. I mean, it just takes one little mistake or one
0: bad roll. And that, by the way, is why I love uh, why for me, read uh, you know, going back through the game on classic difficulty, I can just appreciate the enemy behavior so much more. Uh, it's mm-hmm. much more challenging. You know, I've gotten my ass handed to me a few times, and I love that. I love that defeat is built into the game that I that I can keep playing without having to reload a failed mission. I love that. That's a, a hallmark of how XCOM uh, plays. It,
1: it's kind of funny because like when I first started playing, I I, I started a game on normal uh, just because I wanted to see what it was like, and then I, I went through a bit, and I actually refused to load even though I didn't use Iron Man, and I lost like my entire team in the first <laughs> alien base invasion because I was stupid and split them up, and uh, those stupid oh god those chrysalids or whatever yeah. oh my god ugh, it's like, it's like a, a one-man wrecking crew. If you get one of those things, kills one of your guys and it raises, oh my god. But anyway, so, like, I started back over. I was like, okay, well, it wasn't that bad up until that point. I'll try classic Iron Man. I died <laughs> on the first mission. I got wow. just, like, Uh destroyed. And I it was like the worst luck ever. I like run my guys up into cover, then like an alien throws a grenade and kills two guys. You know, it's just like
2: the stupidest crap. I have a couple questions. First off, did you guys typically have a sniper with you with a battle scanner as an option? And second, and then second, uh, did you guys prioritize weapons research or armor? Or were you just like focusing on alien tech?
0: Armor. Yeah, so armor okay. as well, and I will say though that uh, like playing on normal, I was focusing on on weapons, uh, okay. but playing when I think when the game starts pushing back at you more, playing on classic. Uh, I, I feel like okay now I clearly know enough about the mechanics to know that I need to make give my guys survivability first. Yeah. Uh, right. So that's so. Wh- why do you ask, Ryan? Like what?
2: Well, because I, when I played through, classic was literally my first playthrough, and okay. um, before I started it, I did some multiplayer first. I don't know if that helped me so much, but um, I focused entirely on uh, armor at the start. I was in Europe, so I had a bonus to research. Mm-hmm. And um, I got my guys in an upgraded armor very quick, and then it wasn't too yeah. long after that I was starting to build titan armor, and I was able to get the um, was it chitin armor or something or the
0: the oh uh, the, those... yeah
1: there's carapace there's chitin uh, yeah there's the exoskeleton so I, just because right. this
0: is one of those words that I was never sure I, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced chitin like <laughs> okay. uh, is it? okay. chitin is it? <laughs> and I always I just kind of just, say whatever whoever says it first. Right. I only say that just because I, that's a word I see a lot in video games, uh, and I'm never sure how to pronounce it, and I'm pretty sure it's chitin, just so you know. It, okay. It's okay. It I know. Is, but I just go with the flaw. Well, right... Actually, so one of the, uh, you know, there was a thread on Quarter to Three on our forums where, where folks were talking about the game, and I think it's been overwhelmingly received positively. I haven't read a lot about it, um, but I think it, it really appeals to a lot of strategy gamers who loved the original, even people who didn't know the original. It's, it's unique. It's fresh. And, and, Ryan, you had, rightly, some reservations about it. And when pressed, you know, there was some back and forth. And what struck me was what you finally said was, you know, I liked it, but I didn't feel the need to play it a second time. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like hearing you talk now, like you kind of feel like there's an optimal path through that strategy layer, which informs mm-hmm. the tactical layer, and you kind of feel like you've discovered that and there's not much reason to keep banging on it. Would that be fair to say?
2: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, even I, I think I made that post several days ago still I, that my opinion there hasn't changed. I mean, I have no desire really to go through single player again, which I can't say about any of the previous XCOM games, even though that, you know, they had their own. Uh, paths of research and stuff like that and progression I still found there to be um, you know more more options more randomness you know with the levels and and the encounters and even stuff like shooting down UFOs in in um, in the new Xcom it kind of felt like like that wasn't so much of a focus the aliens a lot of times were landing for me and I just have to send my <laughs> sky Ranger over
1: yeah you just so. like take a shot at them they're like okay okay <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I do see, uh, you know, there's a thread on tactics that I was like, okay, I want to read this because it's not a very well-documented game. A lot of the stuff seems to want you to discover it on its own. So I started reading that thread and then immediately stopped because I got the sense that people like you, Ryan, had kind Mm -hmm. of figured out, okay, here's the optimal way to play. And in a way, I didn't want to know that. Like I I wanted to figure this out on my own. I wanted to kind of learn it. I enjoy the game enough where I, I don't want someone to tell me how to beat it. Uh, right and that 's just my own bag it 's just that i 'm liking it, and if that is a problem with the game, if there is an op- optimal path through it, I want to figure that out on my own uh, and I know that it has something to do with like satellite coverage and like learning the right. importance of that and the economy it is 100%. And yeah and and so I was afraid that if I go through that thread someone 's going to tell me that, and basically beat the game for me mentally and i, I kind of don't right. want to know that stuff i want to i want to wade through it uh, that's definitely no, I... the way to go
2: like if anyone's listening that hasn't checked it out yet do not read tips at yeah. all <laughs>
0: because... uh, it'll take the magic out and also yeah. disregard what ryan said about uh working primarily on armor go ahead try the weapons <laughs> first see how that works for you <laughs> yeah
1: i've done several paths at this point since i've been playing on the classic iron man recently
0: and you you get to restart a good bit I did try, uh, you know, after losing my normal game. I was like, well, this is easy. I'm going to play on Impossible. I could not, for the life of me, get past that first mission. You, know, no, the first mission, you get four people, and it's always the same map, and I, I don't see how anybody even starts a game on Impossible. It's just absurd. Oh, my God. No, uh, that's, I are you talking the tutorial mission? Yeah, is it, well, I turned okay. off the tutorial and it just dumps but, you into a four-player mission. You've got to get through that mission before it takes you to the base. That's not the tutorial. The whole intro is completely like not completely different, but pretty different. Well, well, it's just – yeah, I think it depends on what continent you start on maybe, but it's just four basically uh, – are they rookies or squaddies first? I think squaddies. Uh, I
1: think they're rookies.
0: Uh, rookies well, they okay. might be
1: squaddies, but they don't – well, I don't think they have any uh, focus. I think they're all rookies.
0: So. Well, right, right. This is what I'm saying is I don't know if the – I think they're – I don't know if they're called rookies and then they become squaddies. I don't know the order, but it's the four basic level dudes with no specialties, and you just got to get through one map. And I don't think yeah. – I think it's only sectoids. But on Impossible, I could not beat that mission. And I, I tried literally like five or six times – before thinking, okay, maybe I should just go back down to classic. Um, mm. But I do want to... Okay, so quickly bring up two more issues. Uh, the original XCOM had a great uh, randomized engine, you know, graph- or level design engine, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, with destructibility. You know, you could burn houses down, you could blow walls away. Uh, how do you guys feel this XCOM deals with that sense of, here's badass weapons, here's the world, what happens when they meet?
1: I want... The scientist to shut up when I throw a damn grenade or McMaster, shoot a rocket no,
0: McMaster, it. there's valuable stuff in there that we <laughs> I need to gather. do not care. McMaster, <laughs> no. Uh, weapon discipline, McMaster. Don't break stuff. Uh, we you know, we need like, to study that.
1: The, yeah, I mean, it's like, I'll, I'll keep this in mind. But if it's going to keep some dudes from dying.
0: I also, McMaster, care. we need you to wear light armor and then run up to those living aliens and, and uh, zap them with the arc thrower. Can you do that? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. Sure, yeah. No, I love that. That's, that's my favorite. <laughs> uh, Ryan, how do you feel about the destructibility element? Uh,
2: I, I honestly wasn't happy with the destructibility. And in the original games, even Apocalypse, you know, which came out several years after the first, mm-hmm. um, you could use explosive weapons often. And I, I really did, especially in the early game and even going into late game when blaster bombs and stuff started coming out. Uh, I mean, if you thought that there were a cluster of aliens in a house, you could just right. level the thing. <laughs> And I miss being able to do that. And I also miss stuff like the incendiary ammo, you know, being able to deny an area or at least, you know, try to keep the aliens from coming from a certain direction. Uh,
1: I mean, that is kind of a shame. I mean, uh, you miss that. I mean, there is still, of course, wall destruction, terrain destruction, but it's not like that whole like awesome, you can bring a house down like you couldn't, like right. Silent Storm. It's
0: whatever. very much in service of the cover-based mechanics, mm-hmm. uh, the, the destructibility, and it reminds me a lot of uh, Company of Heroes, which was a great RTS where you could knock things down. And basically, why that mattered is you would open up a new avenue, yeah. uh, you would sort of change the tactical flow of the map. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's what they're doing in this XCOM version. Is it's not that gleeful? Hey, I'm going to blow up a house because there might be aliens in it. I certainly miss that. Instead, it's hey, as the battle un- unfolds, the tactical flow of the map will change. Um, so it's a it's a little bit more sort of dispassionate and and less about uh, destruction than gameplay. Um, mm-hmm. So okay, and then finally, uh, atmosphere. The first XCOM was wonderfully creepy. Uh, how do you guys feel uh, this XCOM does in terms of atmosphere? Um, it has its moments. <laughs> Very reserved praise from Jason L. (laughs) Rearmaster McMaster.
1: Well, it's like all the atmosphere is basically created by just the fear of death. It's it's not as creepy as much as it is uh, just kind of like nerve-wracking.
2: Yeah, I think they could have gone further with it, like on the map. As the level progressed, or not the level, as the game progressed for me, you would see like these um, almost like hurricanes and stuff. I didn't know what those were about necessarily, if that just meant that the region was getting controlled by the aliens, but I felt like there was definitely more that they could have done on the narrative side, and and also even in game to, you know, increase the fear level outside of just you know being afraid of dying.
0: I was even a little confused about what is supposed to be going on. Is the world yeah. are UFOs attacking everywhere? Uh, is the world? being invaded. I mean, they they sort of unfold story beats as you go, but Mm. I wasn't clear what the, uh, you know, does everyone in the world think things are okay and XCOM is a secret operation? Uh, I felt like that could have been made a little bit more clear. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, and I think also, too, it's, yeah, it, there there really isn't any clarity. I mean, you you know, you report to that secret council or whatever, but mm-hmm. they don't really give you any idea if this is. I mean, surely people would have to notice after a while, because, I mean, it's kind of going batshit at a certain point. There's where, a huge
0: where, hurricane cloud over India. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, <Well>, that's weird.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, well. Oh, well. What I like about the atmosphere, and it's different from the first XCOM though, is uh, someone in, on our comment section on quarter to three described the new Space Marines as cheerful Cub Scouts, and they, they kind of are. You know, there's I like that they have different nationalities, and there's a better sense of hey, this is an international uh, effort to fight the aliens. It's very uh, you know, post-Iraq invasion, hey, let's get an international consensus going. I like that about it. Um, and they are very Cub Scouty and cheery, and they look very uh, space marine-y, uh, not quite Gears of War grim, but certainly that bulky. But the atmosphere for me, uh, and I do like the different aliens, I like how much gameplay personality they have, but the atmosphere for me is how, how quickly, violently, and frequently they die. Uh, And what it reminded me of is when Paul Verhoeven did a a movie of Starship Troopers, which had pretty much nothing to do with Heinlein's novel, it was all about this juxtaposition of white-teethed, smiling, physically fit, young, beautiful actors being savagely killed by CG bugs. Uh, So I kind of like that juxtaposition here, Uh, just violent death for these cheerful, internationally cooperating space marines. Uh, right. And it doesn't have so much of the creepiness of the original XCOM, but it does have the violent frequent death, and I appreciate that part. I just love this. When you see somebody get one of those fatal headshots, it's just so obvious, and the little strawberry jam blood effect, it's just so <laughs> dire. It's like, wait, that was one of my favorite playing pieces, and it is now irrevocably dead. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that, to me, there's a lot of atmosphere in that. Uh, mm-hmm. so. Oh, All right, yeah, so, It's, it's violent. And,
2: I think it's I think though I, I do want to say that even with my forum posts and stuff I definitely do like the game I think it's a good game and I, I like it in the way that I like civilization revolution which I also thought was a good game mm-hmm. it's just different I, I didn't view it as like a, a direct you know sequel to the PC cl- classic so
0: and and like civilization revolutions they've just done a great job uh, winnowing away a lot of incidental detail that wasn't mm-hmm necessarily necessary. You know, they've they've distilled it down to broad, discrete gameplay beats. And I I really appreciate that. Yeah. All right, so yeah. that is a, oh, go ahead, McMaster.
1: Yeah, it's pretty encapsulated, and it's it's one of those games that a lot of times I don't feel like playing for all that long. I'll just play a mission, you know, and it's easy to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, but McMaster, if you wait three more days, you'll have another satellite. Maybe you should just play one more minute.
1: <laughs> God, the satellites, man. The money, the money sink in that game is
0: so. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. It's like God, nothing. You can't get
0: anything done quickly. All right. All right, so that is my game of the week. Lexi um, Jason L. Rear, McMaster, Rear Master McMaster, what yep. is your game of the week this week?
1: <clears throat> well, that's an interesting story. Um, my game of the week is kind of a combination of two games. Um, I, uh, on a humbug, was uh, reading about Dwarf Fortress, and then I realized that. Uh, O'Reilly had published a book by Peter Tyson, or Tiny Pirates, or Callistus from the forums, about Dwarf Fortress. And it's 240 pages. And I was like, I'm intrigued. So I purchased this book. And I started going through Dwarf Fortress by reading quite a bit of a technical manual about it. And I like it. It's just, uh, it's just still sort of a mystery. So uh, I, I, I threatened Tom, uh, or I threatened, uh, challenged Tom to a match. Oh, it is kind of a threat, uh, a dwarf fortress, and he replied with he he might do towns. So I was like, you know, I'll go check out towns.
0: First of all, I just want to say I was kind of being facetious. I basically said. I don't do Dwarf Fortress; it's too complicated for me. I would do that Paradox Dwarfs game, or there's something called oh. Towns. I just mentioned a couple of Dwarf Fortressy kind of things uh, in passing. And McMaster, you actually looked one of these up, yeah?
1: Yeah, I went and hmm. uh, I went and got into the Alpha I pre-purchased and got into the Alpha of Towns, hmm. and Towns is pretty interesting. It's got uh, a lot of the depth of Dwarf Fortress. Now it doesn't have all the depth of fortress uh, there's 10 years development on an ascii art game says there's probably a lot of depth there uh but it has kind of a lot of the same concepts except you take kind of a like a, an area map that looks like minecraft uh well now it looks like minecraft and there more recent updates where it's it's kind of blocked off and uh and you set up a town uh but the catch is there's a dungeon nearby and you want your town to, A, survive, which is kind of also the big point, part of uh, Dwarf Fortress, is uh, you have to kind of do everything, or tell your town people to do everything. You have to set up different automations, different s- zones. It, it just goes really crazy after a while. Um, and uh, it, it's a lot like that, but you can do all sorts of digging and uh, setting up of a town that you want to attract heroes with all your better stuff to go fight monsters in the dungeon. And you want the heroes to stick around because you don't you don't really want to get murdered by the monsters. And it has kind of like that dense Curse kind of feel at the same time that monsters can come piling out of the dungeons and you know murder your villagers. So it, it it's a really interesting uh, strategy game. Uh, you you, uh, you it's it's very deadly uh, to your characters. It's much like a, a dwarf fortress in that way. It's you, you better enjoy seeing your characters die. Uh, because it's it's uh, you're not just going to breeze through it. And I think my first four or five games I I only made it a little ways just because you have to. There's so many things you have to to, to think about uh, when controlling miniature people. And uh, yeah, it, it's just it's kind of fascinating because it has so many levels, much like Minecraft. You can dig up, you can dig down, you can uh, open up the dungeon yourself. Uh, but it is it's also got that Terraria kind of and Minecraft building feel. Or you have to have certain materials, and you put them together, and you build workstations, and then you zone different areas. So it's kind of a weird combination of, like, yeah, Minecraft and uh, uh, Dwarf Fortress and uh, Den's Curse. Hmm.
0: Uh. So, McMaster, if this were a game of towns, I need you to be the dwarf who, uh, or the person who mops the floors in the the village. Can you do that? (laughs) No problem. Right. No
1: problem. As long as I don't have to go out and get murdered by the various monsters. <laughs> oh, no, no. We need
0: you to do that, actually. Go do oh, some no. go nope. you do recon in the dungeon. Take your mop. Go do some recon in the dungeon. If you see anything, <laughs> just whack it with mop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's so many ways to die in, uh, in Towns and uh, Dwarf Fortress. But, so,
0: uh, McMaster, I'm confused then. Your game of the week was Dwarf Fortress until you tried Towns? I think they're both my game of the week. <laughs> so dual games of the week. Okay, fair enough.
2: And towns can be downloaded for free. Is that what I'm seeing here? You can Town
0: download
1: a be- like an older beta version if you oh, pre-order okay. it. You get the mo- or like a, the, an older alpha, but it, you get the most recent alpha if you pre-order. But uh, okay. they're all playable. Yeah. So towns uh, towns looks pretty cool, and it's and I guess the pre-order is about thirteen bucks in the U.S. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's got a lot of depth, but it, it's also, you know, it's, it's got a lot of fiddling, too.
0: Uh, Ryan, I just want to pitch something to you. I just want you to consider this. Okay. a The visual extravaganza unparalleled of a Dwarf Fortress homewrecker video. Dwarf for <laughs> Fortress.
2: Yeah,
1: it's okay. that would that would be visually exciting. There's no doubt about that. That's that's kind of the big uh, barrier to entry into our Fortress. That and there's no real mouse command. Hmm.
0: <laughs> All right, so uh, McMaster, two games of the week. That's uh, that's a new one, and I I, I take part uh, credit for uh, steering you towards one of them. Uh, thanks for checking that out.
1: Well, yeah, I mean I would have tried out the Paradox one obviously, but it's
0: kind of
1: not out yet. Uh, kind uh, of right. I'm well, very I- interested in that.
0: And, and were you okay? Because I, I traditionally just really hate playing alphas and betas because they feel incomplete, and I get this sense of you know I'd rather wait until it's done. Uh, but did towns feel pretty playable and complete enough for you? Did, uh... Uh, yeah, it really does. I mean, you can tell it's still a uh, you know it's still
1: a work in progress, but it's much like Minecraft was a work in progress. Like uh, it was a completely playable game for quite some time, and it's just they just keep adding features to it as they go. Hmm. Like I think the latest feature towns added and its new thing is a uh, there's something in Dwarf Fortress as well, which is a, 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 a merchants will show up on your map on occasion, and, and you can trade with them. And there's ho- this whole like in Dwarf Fortress, I haven't done it in towns yet, but in Dwarf Fortress, there's this whole like you have to have a broker and appraiser, and you have to do all this like actual talking to people, and you have to have somebody that's good at like, conversing, <laughs> and like all these weird like you have to haggle that kind
0: of. Thing. So, Sounds like, like buying a new home.
1: <laughs> yeah, Dwarf Fortress is like the craziest thing.
0: <laughs> it really uh, is. McMaster, where can we uh, – tell us again about uh, Peter's book. What, what's it called and where can we find it?
1: Oh, right. Sorry. It's an O'Reilly book. So if you go to O'Reilly's website or you uh, – or you, you might be – you probably find it in bookstores, but it's one of O'Reilly's books. It's called Getting Started with Dwarf Fortress by uh, Peter Tyson. It has some pretty cool artwork. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's really neat. It's uh, it's very in depth, and it, it does a lot hmm. of. Uh, it, it's kind of like a a, a huge instruction manual for uh, old game.
0: The impression I got uh, is there's a, a fairly a game with a fairly steep learning curve called Dominions Three, and uh, my friend Bruce Garrick, who I've already name dropped once on this podcast, so I might as well do it twice. Uh, he did a fantastic manual for it, which doesn't read like a manual so much as it reads like a scientific inquiry from someone who's fascinated by the game and wants to dissect it and look at it. And that's right. the impression I get from a Peter's book uh, about Dwarf Fortress as well.
1: Well, well right, yeah. I mean, his whole thing is he's been making, um, like, tutorial videos and stuff like that for it since 2009. And the guy that wrote the game originally had been talking to him. And I guess he just got so into it, he became kind of a... Uh, I, uh, you know, just a guy that knew a lot about it.
0: <laughs> and it's definitely a, an officially sanctioned thing, because uh, I think it's Tarn Adams, the guy who did Dwarf Fortress. Yeah, he's got he a, a forward it yeah, in it. So. Oh, oh, right. Yeah,
1: him and his brother. Uh, but yeah, Tarn's the lead programmer.
0: right? All right, so uh, McMaster going a little retro. Ryan, what do you have for Game of the Week to top that?
2: Well, um, honestly, I decided to go with chivalry medieval warfare this week why? yeah <laughs> well i i mean th- to be fair xcom and dishonored they're both really great games right but for whatever reason chivalry medieval warfare is kind of like taking over my gaming time since i got access to it and i think you know some people might might think it looks a little bit simplistic and that it's just a multiplayer first person slasher essentially but um it, it feels good. It feels really good. Like the the first person uh, perspective, which is obviously different than what War of the Roses did. Uh, it it feels right. Like the the weapons and and you know being able to gauge how much reach you're going to have with let's say a short mace versus a, a bardiche and and just everything about it just feels really tight and responsive. And well,
0: let, let me ask you real quick, uh, I think you can tell a lot from the title, but it 's a yeah. fairly uh, and i don 't mean this to denigrate it, but it is a fairly obscure release uh, tell us from an over like give us an overview of what is chivalry
2: uh, okay well, there was a mod i believe it was called age of chivalry for um, it was a a half life two mod i believe, and um, at the time you know it was just really a fan project well, the guys who made that decided to make a dedicated Uh, you know uh, title for the pc users it's pc exclusive and they licensed out the unreal engine and uh, developed custom content for it so you've got all these maps that are all you know definitely or obviously medieval themed and a number of different classes you can play there's four of them Um, the servers right now support up to 32 players there's five game modes there's uh, a free-for-all uh, team deathmatch, last team standing, team objective. I am trying to remember what the fifth is, or maybe there's only four. I could be wrong, but um, yeah, and it's it's all about the uh, the combat experience. I mean, they do have some archery in it, but for the most part, it's it's guys bashing each other with maces and hammers and and slashing each other with swords or uh, decapitating heads. There's a lot of gore in it. I don't think I've seen this much gore since Soldier Fortune Two, <laughs> and I mean, it's it's fun. It's very fun, and you could drop in and play for fifteen minutes if you want, and and hop out and go to work or whatever. Or you can just sit in it for hours. I mean, I, I I've been playing it literally like nonstop for the past few days. So, <laughs> uh, now it's
0: is ridiculous. there any sort of uh, persistence or leveling up, or when you ju- when everybody jumps into a game, is everyone it start at the same level? Uh, what's that
2: like? Uh, they do have um, some progression. You can level up, although I'm not quite sure yet what the purpose of leveling up is. But um, they do have weapon unlocks that unlock based off how many kills you get with weapons of that category. So let's say you're playing an archer, you've got uh, three items that you can select, off, or three main weapons, rather, that you can select right off the bat. And the first is a bow, then you've got a crossbow, and then you have javelin. So that can be thrown. Um, if you want to level up the bow tree, then you've got to get 25 kills for the next upgrade. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you need to get 75 kills to get the third uh, bow in that category. And the same goes for your crossbows and your javelins. There's upgrade paths for that. Um, This also goes for sidearms, you know, with a dagger or a short sword. And it applies to all classes. So if you're playing a knight who's more of like a tank brawler, um, he's got, you know, and and one of his categories is a hammer. And you can upgrade that to a, like, a great two-handed hammer. And then there's a third one as well. So that's how they kind of go about doing progression in the game. It's all based off kills right now.
0: Uh, and uh, it just came out this week. Are you having luck finding games? Does it seem pretty oh, yeah.
2: populated? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, when I was playing earlier today, uh, there were easily 800 to 1,000 people on. I mean, it seems like it's doing pretty well, and it just came out yesterday. So I, I know that there's been a lot of YouTube channels that have been making content for it. I haven't seen much press coverage for it yet, but uh, it seems like it's it's selling pretty well.
0: Uh, the video that I saw of it uh, seemed to. A- to promise uh castle sieges and whatnot there was Mm -hmm. pouring boiling oil and there was a big old ram uh how do they build that in there is that something that's fairly common or do you just have a bunch of people meeting in the field beating each other up
2: uh well the team objective uh, servers is where you're going to see most of that content so on one map for example um the defending side they've got to stop the other team from burning their fields and burning down a watchtower if the enemy team succeeds in doing that, then they start getting closer to, to doing a castle siege, ah. and that's where you'll have things like the oil and and um, ballistas and, and stuff like that being part of the whole formula in combat. But um, the other modes, like team deathmatch and stuff, you're not going to see that so much. It's more about the uh, infantry experience of players just attacking each other and, and trying to take each other out.
0: And now you touched on this briefly, but how do you feel this compares to things like War of the Roses? And uh, it sounds a little bit like Mountain Blade did something similar. I think they had multiplayer support. Uh, How do you feel it compares to those? Um, I I think War of the Roses, to me, um,
2: I I did enjoy it. And it's not that I think that it's a bad game, but uh, for me, Chivalry just felt like the combat experience was better. I don't know if it's entirely because of the first-person perspective. Mm-hmm. or what but um war the roses I, I think what it has going for it is the fact that it's got mounted combat you can hop onto horses you can uh you know you, you can essentially joust if you want to with other players or you know just try to take them out on the ground with your uh, uh what do they call that thing that lance. weapon that <laughs> yeah the lance <laughs> and uh i mean it's it has its 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 own advantages it's got more options when it comes to customization you can literally like change the material of your sword and the cut and stuff like that but um i feel like the actual combat experience itself is better in chivalry and also the objectives um the team objective servers being able to you know progress through the levels where sometimes you're even like defending somebody who gets designated the king uh, i think that's really cool versus like in where the roses their their version of like an ob- objective type server is holding points which is kind of generic feeling
0: right right uh, i love the way they mix that up that sounds cool i want to go mm-hmm. burn down some crops mcmaster are you with me <laughs> okay mcmaster i'm going to be a knight and i need you to be my squire so you just <laughs> carry the sword until i need it uh, and also make sure we have plenty of uh, hard pack because I might get hungry between battles. Okay. I love hard tack. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, Ryan, how can we get Chivalry? It's a retail package. Or are they doing any kind of a free to play thing or what? What uh, business model? It's
2: they're actually on Steam. I'm not sure what other services are using at the moment, but um, they just launched yesterday and they're selling it for 24.99 at the moment. And they also have a four pack, I think, for 75 bucks so
0: good i'm glad that, to hear that there's a community for it uh that's good it sounds mm-hmm. like it does have a following uh, mm-hmm. will there be a, a video look i forgot if you told me this earlier in the podcast
2: oh i i already put up one video on it and uh i also did a follow-up when i hit my 200th uh, view on the channel where i was playing that too so i i already have a couple of videos up although um i'm i've advance my tactics a little bit it's not that i did bad i did pretty well in both those videos but there's different types of swings and stuff and and i i think as players they get more adjusted to the combat they'll make use of those more instead of just going around crazy slashing people you know so
0: so what what i'm basically hearing is that you were figuring out how to play and some of your early videos might not be representative of how good you actually are at chivalry yeah,
2: but I still did pretty well. I just did a lot of slashing, and I killed teammates on occasions.
0: So. <laughs> oh, ouch. Uh, McMaster, that's another reason. Just carry my sword. Let me do the fighting. Sure. Okay, no problem. Yeah. You'll end up killing me. I know you will. You always do somehow. But it'll strictly be by accident, McMaster. Oh, yeah. Course. Uh Ryan, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's uh you know, I just thought we were just gonna talk about Dishonored and, and XCOM and McMaster. Mm-hmm. You bring up a little dwarf fortress, a little towns. Ryan, thanks so much for, for bringing up chivalry. Uh much appreciated, guys. Okay, so w- it's almost Halloween. Real briefly, what are you guys looking forward to coming out later this month? Anything? Is anything on your radar? McMaster.
2: It's you look-
0: yeah. oh, so that yeah, when you mentioned that earlier, Ryan, that is this month, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the consoles, yeah.
0: Right, right, good. All right. Um, cool, good. So, Ryan, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I really appreciate mm-hmm. you uh, telling us about the videos. I certainly was, was uh, glad to talk some XCOM with you. I uh, appreciate mm-hmm. yeah, all that. it was that. a lot of fun. McMaster, what are we going to do for folks next week? Oh, actually, you know what? I kind of have a scoop for next week. You ready for this, McMaster? Yeah. Imagine Pokemon, but better. Yeah. <laughs> Pokemons. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this series that uh, is a huge boondoggle for Activision. And maybe "boondoggle" is a wrong word because that makes it sound like it's a ripoff. You done Skylanders? Yeah, we we have someone who's been with us on the podcast before. Uh, Rob Harvey is going to come out and tell us a bit about Skylanders. It will have been out by the time we record, uh, so expect a little Skylanders talk. And specifically, you know, it's aimed sort of at kids. It's a collectible thing, but as an adult is Skylander something that you might want to consider playing? And Rob's going to join Mm -hmm. us next week to to talk a bit about that. So join us for that. Of course, News of the Week and Games of the Week. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Jason L. Rearmaster McMaster and Ryan. Again, Ryan, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Tell folks, again, one more time, where can we see your videos? On uh,
2: YouTube.com slash MaskedGamer. M-A-S-K-E-D. Gamer. (laughs)
0: Hey, McMaster, uh, yeah. what does the L stand for? Um,
1: lame, most of the time.
0: <laughs> Come
1: on! <laughs> this reminds me of
0: a bunch of different stuff. I don't know what it is, but. <laughs> <laughs> This is from a movie you should all see, right after you go see Pitch Perfect, go <sighs> yeah. see Hannah. 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 Okay. And her sisters.